0: Step aside, Biggie and Tupac, and make way for the new most controversial feud of all time, Derek Mason versus Brian Kelly. What got the Vanderbilt and Notre Dame head coaches so mad at each other in the wake of their game last weekend? It's September 20th. My name is Connor Tapp, and you are listening to the 24-7 Sports Morning Blitz. Vanderbilt had a chance to beat Notre Dame on its final possession last Saturday in South Bend, but the Commodores came up just short in the end. In the aftermath, head coaches Brian Kelly and Derek Mason have been trading barbs in the media over how Vanderbilt was blocking Notre Dame's tight end. Nick Cole of Vandy 24 7 joins us now to walk us through it. Nick, what did Brian Kelly say this week to kick off this feud?
1: yeah you know it really came came out of nowhere uh, on Tuesday in his weekly press conference. I think it was one of the last questions he was asked. It was actually just about the performance of his tight end and sort of unprompted you know Brian Kelly switched the discussion to um the way that Vanderbilt uh sort of approached um that tight end in. and it was weird he was talking about cut blocking You know, usually you think about that from an offensive sense but this is he was talking about Vanderbilt's defensive line you know getting up into the into the knees of uh his uh Alizé Mack the tight end there and and here's here's what he said he said uh, he was getting cut maliciously by their defensive end and uh, that's bad football it's legal but it's bad football it's just bad football and I have no problem saying it and he went on to explain what he meant but you know, he, he sort of reiterated bad football three times and in, in a very short period of time. So as Wednesday rolled around, um, I had a chance to hop on the sec coaches teleconference where they, they speak each Wednesday morning. And, and I, I got a chance to, to ask Derek Mason about that. I was like, look, uh, I'm sure this this has probably um, made its way back to you by now. And given that he said this on Tuesday afternoon, uh, have you heard this? And you know, what do you think about it? Is he right? Have you looked at the film? And and were they malicious? And, and things like that. And, and and Derek's response was, I don't really I don't really care much about what Brian Kelly's comments about football. When you go back and watch the game from the holding to the post chops by Notre Dame, I thought it was bad football on their part. What it comes down to is the game gets played on the football field. Nowadays, we're asking defensive players to raise the target, lower the target, hit with the eyes up. All of these things are really a part of football. So Brian Kelly can take his comments and keep moving. If he's got something personal with me, he can come see me. It <laughs> was a pretty explosive response. Um, or at least, uh, you know, he went toe-to-toe with Brian Kelly on, you know, play, placing the blame there. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if, if there's any – rebuttal from Kelly, or if this is sort of where it ends,
0: Nick, have you seen any evidence of what Brian Kelly is talking about in, in watching the game?
1: yeah, so Tuesday after he said that, obviously the first thing you want to do is is pull up the film and and, and sort of take a look and try to find what he 's talking about and you know, I found a couple of instances in the first half of the game, and actually Mike Terrico, who was the play by play guy for NBC on that game, uh, did call it out at one point saying that he thought that um, Vanderbilt was going low on the tight end, which maybe is sort of the you know, the the area of, of the game in which this sort of became you know something that people were paying attention to. But by and large, you know, I went back through and tried to try to go through all four quarters and take a look, and, and rarely was was uh, this a, a situation where it wasn't nearly in every play thing. You, you listen to Brian Brian Kelly say that, and you think boy, they must have just been all over this guy all day. But, I mean, I could only find a a couple of instances where you could say, well, maybe that was a little bit low. Um, But, of course, the counter to that is, you know, it only takes one um, egregious shot to the knee to to really hurt a guy's season or his career even.
0: Derek Mason had some other interesting comments in his own press conference uh, earlier this week. Uh, I, I believe he showed up with his name stitched onto his shirt to, I guess, symbolize, you know, a lunch pail mentality. Grab your hard hat. I believe were phrases tossed around. I mean, I, I I'm struck by the fact that I was at SEC media days in 2015 when Derek Mason was coming off three and nine, zero and eight in the SEC season, and he seemed a little uncomfortable in a press situation. And it seems like he's finding his legs a little bit and getting, allowing himself to get a little weird in spots, doesn't it? <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. You know, Derek is really um, an engaging guy, and, and I think for the most part, most of the people around that program really like him. You know, he he has a good personality. Um, he generally has the kid's best interest in mind uh, with a lot of things he does. So he's a pretty likable guy, and I think what you're seeing is he's sort of in his fifth year now, and you're, you're you're seeing him become comfortable with his surroundings, comfortable with the idea of what he is facing at Vanderbilt. Which maybe when he walked in from Stanford, he didn't have a Maybe a clear understanding of what <laughs> what this job entails in in terms of the the challenges he' was going to face, I mean obviously a lot of people like to draw the academic uh line there between stanford and and Vanderbilt, and say you know that's a similar situation but but the level that David Shaw has Stanford at versus the level that that Vanderbilt was at even after James Franklin won back to back nine win seasons there. Uh, night and day, you know what I mean? So he, I think I think he was kind of, you know, at the, the time period you're mentioning in 2015, he probably was, he had just been punched in the face, uh, with, with his first season in the SEC and was trying to come to grips with reality there. And, and as a first time head coach and perhaps one of the most difficult head coaching jobs in America, if we're being honest, you know, in terms of college football. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think like that, you know, the, the, the uh, name on the shirt is actually something that he introduced, back in his first season in 2014, he tried that out. He had um, all of his assistant coaches have had those shirts. You know, they wore them to practice from time to time. And it was a very, um, it reminded me a little bit of Jim Harbaugh, you know what I mean? Like, and maybe he worked under Jim Harbaugh at Stanford. So, and maybe there's a little um, overlap there in terms of the uh, strategy and and motivating guys and and trying to build that persona. Uh, But yeah, I mean, he, 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 not only did he wear that, that shirt to his press conference but he was talking about you know getting into a street fight with with south carolina and how you know he, he's showing guys videos of Kimbo slice uh just to get them mentally prepared for the type of physical game they're going to face in the sec opener it, it definitely
0: seems like he uh, in terms of performance on the football field things have Absolutely stabilized since that rocky start, and it seems like they tend to hover right around five hundred. Which maybe you think is about what expectations level should be for Vanderbilt football. Um, is do the fans feel pretty good about where things are headed at this point?
1: Uh, I think they would feel well. Let's let's take that a couple steps. One, I do think that um, if you can consistently play. 500-ish ball and get to bowl games pretty regularly, the Vanderbilt fan base is going to be pretty happy with that. They they understand the realities of their situation and, and you know, sure, they want to be able to jump up and maybe have a, a surprise season, you know, once a decade or something, where they make a run, 8, 9, 10 wins. You know, sure, everybody wants to see that, but, but I think they're, by and large, are pretty realistic about the expectations. And so I think, yeah, that, that, that six or seven wins is sort of where they want him to be. Um, I think, you know, he had reached that level in 2016, you know they, they finished six and six. uh, Got to a bowl game, didn't win it, so you know he didn't technically finish with a winning season. So he, he's still looking for that first winning season. But I think a lot of people were a little bit discouraged with the way that 2017 went for the Commodores. They even though they had a five and seven record and they beat Kansas State, they started three and zero. I mean, they went on to lose seven consecutive conference games after beating Kansas State, and, and they salvaged things at the end of the year with a win against Tennessee, which is sort of hollow in the sense that uh Tennessee is itself didn't win a conference game last year, although if you look at the the series history between Vanderbilt and Tennessee Vanderbilt's going to take a win against the balls any way they can get it um, that's a that's a they they hate the balls and and they haven't beat them very much um over the the course of the last few decades so um I'd say yeah to, to to wrap a bow on that I think that's the the realistic expectation level for this program is to say, all right, is it, is it winning six or seven games a year? But I would say this year specifically, they've got a lot of senior leadership back on the defensive side of the ball and perhaps the best quarterback they've had uh, since Jake Utler graduated back in 2005 uh, as a fourth year starter in Kyle Shermer. Uh, And so the expectation is that, especially based off the way that they've played these first three games, you know, they're 2-1, and, and they had a real chance to beat Notre Dame, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, I think the expectation is, is maybe, you know, ratchet it up a notch. And they're thinking, all right, maybe we can get into conference play and win three or four games, you know. And if they do that, um, that would be well on their way to Mason's first winning season here in year five.
0: All right, Nick Cole covers Vanderbilt for Vandy 24-7. You can find him on Twitter at Nick Cole Sports. Thanks, Nick. Ohio State superstar defensive lineman Nick Bosa suffered an abdominal injury in the Buckeyes win over TCU last weekend, and Urban Meyer announced on Thursday that the injury required surgery. Specifics about the injury are unknown, though something in the ballpark of sports hernia seems like a reasonable deduction, and less is known about Bosa's timetable for return. Ohio State has said that Bosa is out indefinitely, and he will almost certainly miss the Buckeyes' September 29th clash against Penn state the morning blitz is a daily podcast so we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning with the biggest college football stories of the day wrapped up in a tidy 10 to 15 minute package you can subscribe to the morning blitz on apple podcasts stitcher spotify or wherever you get your podcasts